1 Samuel chapter 1 this morning. Let's begin reading in verse 2. 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. It says, And Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. And each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would only give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord kept her from having children. And year after year, it was the same. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears, it would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why are you not eating? Why be downhearted hearted just because you have no children? <laughs> yeah. I'll just be frank with you. Here comes Elkanah being a typical man. I don't like that word typical man. I don't use it very often. But sometimes it's appropriate. <laughs> he says, why are you so downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. <laughs> oh, you got it. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting in his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle, and Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you look upon me, my sorrow, and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, and thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. I'm pouring my heart out to the Lord. I don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Verse 17 says, well, in that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant your requests you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. And the entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more, and then returned to Ramah. And when Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son, and he was named Samuel. For she said, I have asked the Lord for him. Father God, I need you today. Lord, I ask that the preacher... 
the teacher would come. Lord, that you would speak by your spirit today. Lord, that it would be your words, that your message, your time to your people. Lord, give us ears to hear, O oh God, and hearts to receive what you would say to the people of God today in this place. And we'll be careful to give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning I would title the message, I'm sick of it. You ever been there? You ever come to a place where I, I'm sick of it? I'm sick of it. When you finally had enough. I'm sick of it. When you finally had enough. Church, I want to tell you, sometimes you, no, many times, you've got to come to a place where you've simply had enough. Come on. We might as well start out together. You've got to come to a place where you've had enough. This is not a demanding message or a negative message. This is, this is a message to bring us to reality sometimes that God's people have got to take a stand and God's people have got to come a place in their personal life, in their church life, in their, in their everyday life, in their work life where you've just simply had enough. Listen, church. Expectation is the birthplace of miracles. Expectation is the birthplace of miracles. We will begin receiving from God and receiving in power when we come to a place of expectation and anticipation. When we come to a place when all the distractions and all of the things going on and all the things that are coming against us have brought us to a place where we're sick of it. I'm turning on the news and you're turning on the news and I, see, I seen last night or the night before where two police officers in Los Angeles where somebody just walked up to their car and shot them. Church, I'm sick of that. Really the message today in reality is the antithesis of what we're seeing in the world today. Some of it, when I get into the message, you're going you're gonna to think, well, that sounds like the people that, that we're sick of. No, it, it, is, it is the truth. It is the balance. It is the counterweight to what, to what we're experiencing the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has sat back too long just letting things go by and accepting that we live in a terrible world. We do live in a terrible world. And it's, and it's going to be worse. i got news to tell you. The Bible says that in the last days, perilous times, dangerous times will come. And we're there. But that doesn't mean it's a powerless church and then we sit back and we float downstream. I believe it is a time where God calls on his people to get back to the place in him where they expect the miraculous. Expectation is the birthplace of the miraculous. We read here where Hannah, 
the mother of Samuel, the prophet, that is the one who anointed King David. He was greatly used of God, but he, but he came into existence. He was brought into the earth because his mother Hannah had had enough. I've always heard, now I'm not here to, I picked on the men a little bit while ago, and I'm not here to pick on the women, but I've always heard that there was no house big enough. I didn't even finish the sentence, and the women's already smiling and nodding. I've always been told there wasn't a house big enough for two women. Elkanah has two wives, Penina and Hannah. Seems like over and over and over, Penina's got another baby. Hannah has none. The Bible says that Elkanah loved Hannah. He seemed to think a lot more of himself than maybe he ought to, but he didn't have, he didn't have the book of Romans yet, so that may not have... Because, you know, Romans tells you not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. But year after year, the Bible, listen, church, the Bible says year after year that they would go, make this, that they would go in, to the temple, they would go to the tabernacle, and they'd make the sacrifice. Year after year, Elkanah would give to Penina and her children and give, her, give them the abundance and he would give to Hannah one choice place. And every year it was a reminder of her brokenness. And every year it was a, it was a reminder of the attack against her. Every year it was, a, it was a reminder that things wasn't going right in her way. Listen, I'm gonna, and, and listen, it's in there so I get to preach it. It says that Penina tormented her. That Penina come against her. It was, I mean, it, it was a literal, she flaunted those babies past her. She was cruel to her. She made fun of her. She, she let her know that her place was less than hers. And I can tell you what happened. See, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that Hannah got sick of it. What happened was Hannah remembered that she could call on God. Hannah had had enough. And she came to a place in her life where expectation took over. And she began to petition the, the Lord of heaven with, with prayer that took her to a place where she no longer even had words to express. Just moved her mouth. She knew that God could change her situation. Listen, it says the, the priest in that day was Eli. If you know anything about Eli, Eli wasn't the specimen of, of the man of God. Eli had two sons, Phineas and Hophni, that were evil, in fact. The Bible talks about Eli had come to the place where he was frankly too fat and lazy to even minister. That's not my words, that's what the Bible says. That he was, he, was ignore, he was letting his sons, his evil sons, do the work of the priesthood. And they, later on you find out that, that they were so evil that they offered strange fire to the Lord. And the Lord smoked them on the spot. But this backslidden priest, listen to me. 
Hannah began to pray. Hannah began to come to a place where she didn't take no for an answer. Hannah came to a place where even when the backslidden man in authority said, I think, I wasn't there, I don't know, but I can't read it any other way. And if you read it different, that's fine. When it's your turn to preach, you can preach it your way. But I believe Eli was kind of flippant with her. Dismissive. What's wrong with you? Why are you drunk? I'm not drunk. I'm desperate. Now, that's the first time in the Bible I read another time where when, when, when God was in the situation where the people around him, the religious crowd and the people thought they were all drunk. No little word. In Acts chapter 2, it says, oh, these, men aren't, these men aren't drunk as you suppose since the third hour of the day. But this is that. <laughs> Which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Listen, she, was, she wasn't drunk. She wasn't, she wasn't any of those things. He was dismissive to her because she came to a place of desperation and expectations where it didn't matter what anybody thought, didn't matter what was going on, but she was going to touch God. And the man of God, the man in authority said, may the Lord of Israel grant your request. I think it's interesting that at that moment, Hannah took his word as gospel. The word says that she was no longer sad, and she went and ate. And the Lord remembered Hannah. Church, the Lord remembered Hannah because Hannah came to a place where she had had enough. Are you hearing me this morning? Hannah came to the place where she was sick of it. She had had enough. She rem the Lord remembered Hannah because she came to a place where she was willing to, to petition until she had nothing left to ask. And that she was willing to stand against the people that even maybe wanted to dismiss her. But she was still hanging on to God knowing that he could solve her problem. Contrary, listen to me, contrary to what most of us think. I got something to say here. You don't want to miss it. Contrary to what most of us think, God's promise is just as powerful as his presence. I'll come over here and tell y'all too. God's promise is just as powerful as as his presence. What do you mean? Listen, right now, today, in Mauriceville, Texas, we have the promises of God. We have the word of God, and his word is still true. We have the spirit of God that makes it alive, that quickens it, that brings it alive. We, but I think sometimes we think... If, if, if Jesus was just here, my situation would change. If I could just have the presence of the Lord. Some, the Spirit of God is here, but sometimes we're waiting on that, that tingly feeling of the presence of the Lord. I got to tell you this morning that the promises of God are just as powerful whether you feel them or whether you don't. 
The promises of God are as powerful as His presence. Because the promises of God are yes and in Him, amen. It's not a unique, it's not a unique thing. It's, a, it's our human nature. But there was a time, remember when a, when a centurion came and said, Lord, if he said, I'll come to your house and heal your son. Jesus was coming. Y'all remember? The presence, he was going to come, be there in person. But this time Jesus said, the, the centurion had something that we need to understand. He said, I'm not worthy that you should set foot under my roof. He said, just speak the word. Give the promise. And my servant will be made whole today. How many of you know that his promise is just as powerful as his presence? Listen. Somebody hear me. Your situation, there, we smile on Sunday morning, and we're kind of we quiet today. But so, there's no doubt in my mind with everything that's going on, there's a lot of stress in this room. There's a lot of fatigue in this room. There's a lot of situations in this room. Some of you have had your house torn to pieces again. Some of you is dealing with FEMA. Some of you is dealing with insurance companies. That's enough to make anybody sick of it. Yeah? Listen, your circumstances, what's going on in your life is never more powerful than what God has already said. Where do all these quiet people come from? I don't like it when the quiet people are here. I like the people that will engage you and will, and will, and will engage the Word of God. I'm not talking about the preacher. I'm talking about the Word of God. We ought to respond to it. Because they're good and they're for you. See, when you get sick of it, you'll respond. We, get, we think because something is going on in our life, something terrible, that God doesn't know where we're at. We think that we got to have the preacher come pray. We think that we got to have the board come pray. We think that we got to have somebody more spiritual than us. We think we got to feel all of the calisthenics of church. And I got to tell you this morning that his promises are still true. And they're still powerful. And they're still for you. And when you come to a place that you've had enough. See, here's our problem. All along, we had the promises of God. We had the presence of God. We had the, and they're all true. We could have had them all along. But most of the time, what it is about us is we want to handle it. We want to carry it as far as we can. We want to, we'll, we'll drag a load uphill as far as we can until we're about to collapse. And then we'll take it to God. When all along we had his promises and we had his presence. You know, so, you know some days I got news for you. Because we, we we're, especially us Pentecostal folks, we like to see things, we like to hear things, and we like to feel things. And I like all that too. But let me tell you something. If I don't ever feel it again, his promises are still true. There's days when I get up and I'm in a bad mood just like you are. There's days when I get up and, and, and well, I ain't going to say that. Because that's gross. Now you want to know what? Now i got to tell you. Some days you get up and you go to the bathroom in the dark and the cat's puked in the floor. 
That don't start your day out well. <laughs> then you go out and you got a flat. Then you get to, then you, the first people you meet at the convenience store, they're rude too. I got to tell you that on those days, I don't feel too saved. Thank you. A little help helps. You'd be surprised how much shorter these messages would be if y'all get with me. Man, I bet that'll wake you up. We could, we could, we could do it times two. Listen. I have those days just like you do. And I don't feel saved. But guess what? His word says that I am. Because I've put my faith in him. I've put my trust in him. I've given my life to him. And I'm, walk, and I'm walking it out and, and by faith. And so what am I saying? There's days that I, that I don't feel his presence. But I have his promise. And guess what? His promises are just as powerful as his presence. We want to feel. He wants us to believe. I've seen people miraculously healed that never felt a thing. But they believed. Get sick of it. What does that mean? It means to be disgusted about it. Get angry about the situation. To be activated by your situation or your circumstances. It's, it's when it motivates you to change it. Uh, we'll dig around a little bit here in a second. Uh, but I'll give you some examples. Some contemporary examples of what I'm talking about. See, this is where you're going to start wondering what we're... This is, the, this is the antithesis to what you're seeing going on in the world today. I'm going to tell you, Rosa Parks got sick of it. She's tired. They interviewed her later in life and says, well, you're trying to make a political statement. She said, no, sir, I was tired. And I was sick of having to get up and give my seat to someone else. And she got sick enough of it that she said, no, I'm not doing it. And she changed the world. That's a secular, contemporary example of what it means when you get sick of it. I just felt something. No, for real. Because somebody right here is saying, that's what happened when, when, with George Floyd. Everybody got sick of it. Hey, that could have been what happened with George Floyd. See, I'm not allergic. Y'all know, home folks know I'm not allergic to anything. I'll talk about anything. People, this is first time here, I'll talk about anything. Could have been a moment that changed the world because everybody was on board. But just like the enemy always does, he will have, he has, he has a counterfeit. What you're seeing going on right now before your eyes is a counterfeit. To how God would have people work and act. 
See, you come to a place where, where things need to change and you're sick of it, but change doesn't happen by being a destroyer. I tell you what happens when that stuff like that, mm-mm-mm. That's the kind of stuff that causes revolutions where people have had enough. That's the kind of, this is the kind of things that, that, cause, that, should, that should wake the church up. This is the kind of thing that should bring everybody back together and say, no, you're not going to take what's good and spin it. You're not going to take what's good and try to destroy and say, and, and say it's the things of God that messed it up. That's a lie. And it's going to take, listen, if you want to know, church, what's going to change this nation, what's going to change this world, is for the church of Jesus Christ, for the people that name his name, to get sick of it and stand up against it and say no. It's going to take us. And for everybody out there that thinks that's political, it's your world that is changing. It's your life that is destroying. And I'm going to tell you, preachers that are afraid to be, to be uh, the preachers that are silent on politics will one day be silenced by politics. You mark my word. Go get Diedrich Bonhoeffer's biography if you don't believe that and read it and not what happened in Nazi Germany. It's a lie. Somebody needs to hear me. There's somebody here this morning that's never heard me say it. It's a lie. The church, of the, the pulpits and the church and the word addresses everything in this world. God has a way. He's in everything. He ordained government. He ordained order. And he ordained his people to, to pray and, he, and his people to stand up when the enemy comes against God's people. It is not only, uh, it is not only uh, all right, it is our responsibility. If not us, then who? It just occurred to me, I think a lot of folks know it already, but I'll tell you something, I'm sick. I'm, I'm sick of panty-waisted preachers. That are more concerned about nickels and noses than they are the truth of the Word of God. They're more concerned about being popular because I'm going to tell you, if you stand on the things that are true and you've had enough of it, listen, nothing will change. I, it brings me right back to where I should be. Nothing, listen to me, nothing will change until you're willing to confront what's wrong. Church, as long as the enemy can run over you, he will. Can I just be practical for just a minute? Some of you need to know some practical things. You got somebody mouthing and running your mouth and gossiping behind your back and you know it and it's eating you alive and you're talking about it all the time. It's not going to change until you go down to them and you say, I've had enough. If you got something to say to me, let's talk. Oh man, I make people nervous. Do you know that? Oh, I make somebody. Quit whining about it. Quit letting let tear up your home. Quit let. I don't like it when y'all act like I'm the only one. <laughs> when you act like you don't even know what I'm talking about. See, people wreaking havoc in people's lives because of a gossip and a slanderer. 
And people want to act like you're the problem. Here, let me tell you what the deceiver, the one that motivates these things will do. He will cause the trouble and then act like you're the problem. I make y'all uncomfortable, but I, frankly, y'all ought to be thankful. Because let me tell you, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. The destroyer destroys until the people that have the truth, until the people of God stand up and say, I'm sick of it. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. It's past time. It's right. As long as we continue tolerating something, the longer we continue to tolerate the longer we'll be held hostage by it. Mm-mm-mm. Why? Because the gospel's been watered down to the point it's been so socialized, it's been so, it's been so desensitized, it's been so seeker, so, so seeker-friendly driven that we are more given to toleration now than confrontation. We've bought the lie that if we won't push back that people will love us. We're given, more given to tolerance. Have you ever noticed that the people in this world preaching tolerance are the least tolerant of people that you've ever met? Am I the only one that's noticed that? They tolerate everything except the truth of the Word of God. They tolerate, any, er, they tolerate anything, anything, anything except truth. Then they call the truth hate. And the only people that call truth hate are people that hate the truth. It'll change when we get desperate enough to go to God and say, I'm sick of it. Hannah had had enough. Hannah had a husband that she loved and that loved her. But Hannah knew that her name and her legacy and her desires would never be met until she had that child. And it was God's plan. Listen, it was God's plan for her to have that boy. Samuel was in God's plan. Samuel was in God's plan. Say, well, why didn't God just give her a baby? Let me tell you something. Sometimes you're going to have to just know you can take that up with God. Someday you'll know the answer. But I do know the Word of God says there's some things you don't have because you didn't ask. And I believe He lets things happen in our life that will drive us to a place of having enough. We have to get sick of tolerating stuff in church and in life that doesn't work. Here's one for us right now, right where we sit. We ought to get sick of churches where nothing's happening. What do you mean happening? You mean they have the, the greatest 
They have the greatest youth program, the greatest kids program, the greatest elders program, the greatest church services, the greatest worship band. They, go, they, get, they get together twice a week. They do this, they do that, they do this. You're talking about that kind of happening? No. No, I'm talking about we ought to get sick of church where the Spirit of God doesn't come down in the place and touch and, touch and change lives. We ought, to get sick of the, we ought to get sick of the place where the, there's no power being demonstrated. We ought to get sick of the place where people are comfortable in their seat and are never moved and motivated by the, by the Word and the Spirit of God. We ought to get sick of that. Why? I'll go back to the beginning. Because expectation is the birthplace of miracles. Listen, if you don't expect anything in, in your service, if you don't expect anything in your life, well, you're going to get your expectation. You didn't expect it? Don't be surprised when you don't get it. Listen, I, I'm, I'm telling you as your pastor that I am setting some expectations. I am, I, I am sick of it. <laughs> I'm not scolding you. I'm talking, this is the message. I am sick. I am to the point I am sick of it. Where it's Sunday after Sunday, the same thing. Where it's week after week that it's a little here and a little there whenever I know that God has abundance to pour out on His people. We're living, we're living on the rations when, when, when God wants to give us the harvest. And let me tell you something, church, the harvest is now. Let me tell you something else. The harvest has never been in question. The word says the harvest is already there. He says, look up, raise up your eyes, for the fields are what? They're already white and the harvest. It says the harvest is plenty, but the laborers is what the problem is. When God got sick of rampant sin on the earth he sent a flood hey, do y'all know God gets sick of things when God got sick of rampant sin on the earth it says that man, the, uh, every man on the earth that says their heart was on, evil continually when it happened God sent a flood when God, when, there was immor, when God got sick of immorality that was going, and, and, the, and the destruction that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, he rained down fire from heaven. When he got sick of the devil dominating people and, and sickness and disease destroying and sin that was rampant that wouldn't go away, when it all came together, and there was, he sent a son. He came himself. Being sick of something becomes the catalyst for change. When I was in school, when I got sick of Dan Porter picking on me every day on the school bus, he has a little bit of skinny twerp. Can't tell it now, but I was then. I mean, I was, I was little. And he wasn't. And every day on that bus... He, he made my life a living hell, frankly. And one day, I was sitting there, and he hit me in the back of the head. And something rose up in me that I hadn't felt before or since. <laughs> but I can tell you, I was sick of it. And before I had time to think about it, because if I'd have thought about it, I wouldn't have done it. I whirled around him, closed my eyes, and hit him as hard as I could in the nose. And it popped and it bled. 
And he jumped up and he hit me in the nose. And let me tell you something, it hurt. But you know what happened? He sat down, I sat down, and from that day to this day, he never bothered me again. Why? Because I had enough. I was sick of it. This is not too spiritual, but I'll share it anyway. <laughs> but when I watch on TV and Facebook and everything and see these people up in people's police face and everything else screaming as loud as they can in their face, that's the result of anti-bullying policies. Because bully, anti-bullying policies haven't stopped one single bully. If you've got a kid in school, you know that these stupid policies hasn't stopped a single bully. Because I can tell you where people feel free to get up and spit and scream in, in people's faces because they never had somebody draw back and break their nose. <laughs> the, the guests are saying, who is this guy? <laughs> I warned you it wasn't spiritual. Now I'm talking about when people's had enough that they're sick of it. When you've had enough of the agenda that's being driven down our throats from the pit of hell, you'll quit eating at McDonald's and Burger King. I ate the Burger King last night before I thought about it. And I'm going to tell you, there's an ad out right now with the, with the Burger King and Ronald McDonald that smooched up in a kiss. And, Mc, and Burger King produced it and McDonald's okayed it. it was not a, it's not a random thing that somebody came up with. Those two companies done it. And I'm going to tell you, as long as, as long as Christians keep eating Whoppers and Egg McMuffins, it ain't going to make any difference. It's when God's people get sick of it. Are you angry? You better bet I'm angry. And you should be too. Church, I've got, it, it is quarter till 12 and i got, I still got some moments to go. i got to tell you, it's not going to change until the church... It's not, sharing it on Facebook is one thing, but it doesn't change a thing. I don't know what in the world I'm going to watch on TV, because I can tell you right now, I didn't even talk to my wife, but she may, you know, she'll agree with me. Netflix is fixing to go next week. Why? Because as long as they're getting my $15.95 a month, they're going to do what they want to. Will it shut Netflix down if I cancel? I, probably not. But if there was enough of me that was sick of it, I'm not much on boycott. I'm not boycotting anybody. I am just no longer going to finance it. I don't have, I'm not, it's not a political motive to try to, to make a statement to Netflix. I don't, I'm not, Netflix ain't going to listen to me. Oh man, I gotta sit down because it's getting serious. <laughs> Matter of fact, I about fell out when it crossed my mind. See, I, I, I'm not much of a note guy. If I have notes, it's just to, it's just to cue me. So when something just pops out, man, I'm about, I'm listen to me, church. You say, are you are you getting personal or is this scriptural? I gotta tell you something. The Word of God still says that where your who's where your treasure is. Oh, I heard groans. 
But some of you know enough of the word that you know what's next. Where your treasure is is where your heart is. That quite literally means what you spend your money on. I've said for years, if you'll show me your checkbook and your calendar, everybody in this room, if you show me your checkbook and your calendar, without ever saying a word to me, I'll tell you where your heart is. Amen or owe me? Where we put our money. Well, they used to say, put your money where your mouth is. Well, I, I, that sounds good to me. Put your money where your mouth is. If you're really sick of it, you'll stop financing it. Now, I'm fixing to really waylay you. If you're really sick of it, you'll quit voting for it. Well, I don't agree with some of the planks on their platform. Stop it. That kind of makes me sick to my stomach. Because it's the same thing going on in society where we don't want to take responsibility for anything. Do I need to spell it out or do you get it? If you're voting for the people that keep putting judges in place that are against everything you believe in. So you notice I'm not even addressing what you believe in. I don't think you're dumb. I think you're smart. If, 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 if what's happening turns your stomach and you hate it, it has nothing to do with what you believe in. But you keep voting on the people that act literally pass the legislation or appoint the judges that are fundamentally against the word of God, the things of God, and everything you believe in. It's where your heart is. Because treasure is more than money. Treasure is what you value. You'll change it when you're sick of it. When you've had enough. Hey, you, you don't have to march down the street. You don't have to blow up Facebook. You don't have to do any of those things. But what you do have to do is what's right. Well, preacher, I have my, my home life, my church life, then there's my public life. Anybody ever heard that? It's too early for you to be fondling in your seats. We, got, we bought three-hour seats. <laughs> when we bought chairs, there's three different grades of chairs when you buy 
and we bought the, we bought the three-hour model <laughs> because I'm not short-winded, never have been. And it ain't even lunchtime. Hey, I know Mag Church isn't for everybody today and it's not going to be for everybody tomorrow. But I do believe there's a people all over this area that want to see God move again and they're sick of an everyday life where God doesn't touch and intervene. I do believe that there's people that are sick of seeing what's going on around them and they're looking for like-minded people that will stand against the tide. That will, uh, that will get back to the Word of God and know that you don't have a separate life. That, you're, that if, you're, if your work life is different than your, than your... If your spiritual life doesn't go to work with you, can I say it? Then you're a hypocrite. People throw around hypocrisy all over the place and they don't even know what it means. It literally means when you have a different standard for you, your home life, than you do for everybody else, you're a hypocrite. Double-minded man that's unstable in all of his ways. Bitter and sweet water that can't flow from the same fountain. I remind you, every once in a while, I didn't write the book. I'm just giving the book report. It's not mine. I don't get to change it. I don't get to update it. It's, he called me to preach it. Why? Because he loves us. Church, all I came to tell you is when you get desperate and when you want the truth and when you seek after God, He's going to show up in a big way. He's going to change everything for you personally and in your church and in your family. All I'm saying is that the Word of God is still true. All I'm saying is that when we, when we came to Jesus, when we got saved, that we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All I'm saying is, is, to, is to believe the Word of God again. All I'm saying is, is, quit, is quit screaming in the darkness and, start, and, start, and get on your knees and, and develop a prayer life. Learn what the Word of God is. Stand for what's true. Do what's right. Quit financing things that are destroying your kids and your grandkids. Quit... Why? Week after week, I've told you, listen, everything we are going through right now, without exception, all of it, all of it, all of it is spiritual. Every bit of it. All of it is aimed at destroying the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, I'm so desperate for people to get it. 
Stand with me. I'm so desperate for people to get it. For us to get it. To become passionate about it. My cry week after week in my heart and in my prayer life is, church, wake up. Church, come alive. Church, get sick of it. Church, get desperate. If you're tired of losing your kids and your grandkids, I'm tired of losing my kids and grandkids. I don't have any grandkids yet, but I'm not going to lose them. I'm tired. I know what my kids are facing. I don't feel released to share just some of the details in my own family yet, but if I am, if that ever happens, I will, but I can tell you that there is an all-out assault by the people that is assaulting this country right now. They're after your kids, and they're trying to shut you down. I, I done told you, I realize that, that not everybody wants to hear this message, but it's the message. And I've had to make up my mind that if Mag Church calls a board meeting and a special business meeting and tells me your services are no longer needed, that I'm still going to preach it. I've had to make up my mind if they run me out of town, if all I can find is the street corner, that I'm still going to preach it. I've had to make up my mind, church. I've had to make up my mind without fear or favor that the truth of the Word of God is the truth of the Word of God. Period. The Word of God has never has been and never will be seeker-sensitive. It's been sin-confronting. If you, if, you, if you believe in a seeker-sensitive gospel, then you've never opened the book because it's not in there. This God is, loves you enough to slap you in the face with it so He can break the, the damage and the bondage and the shame off of your life and wrap you up in love and truth. That he can change your situation. He'll take the blinders, the scales. Apostle Paul, listen, the Apostle Paul thought, listen to me. The Apostle Paul thought he was doing the will of God when he was killing Christians. On his way to do it some more. And the Lord confronted him. What kind of love did it take for him to single this man out and strike him down on the road to Damascus? Listen, he struck him blind. Why? So that the scales could fall off his eyes and he would be able to see. See, Paul was never able to, he had natural eyes that he thought he was doing the will of God to be a destroyer. And it was a powerful confrontation that knocked him to the ground. That struck him literally physically blind for three days. He had to be struck blind before he could see. God loves you enough to, to knock you to the ground, to bring you to the end of yourself. Listen, there was a prodigal one time that thought he had it all figured out. He, he went out and done everything he wanted to do, blew it all.
come to the place where he couldn't even eat. It says that he would, that he could eat with the pigs. He couldn't even eat with the pigs. God brought him to, allowed him to go and brought him to such a place as that, that the word of God says when he came to himself. He said, I'll return to my father's house. Listen, I can tell you, church, he wants his house back. He wants his people back. He wants his church back. That's why we're praying on Sunday night. Why? Listen, if you missed last Sunday night, you missed it. We're going to do it again tonight. We'll have, we'll have worship. We'll have, we'll have the word. And then we're going to pray heaven down again. Why? Because I believe we got, we're in a place of desperation. If we're, going to see, if we're going to see the things stop in this, this destroying us, literally pulling, ripping us apart at the seams, God, people's going to have to get sick of it and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word. Lord, for this time in your presence. Lord, for, Lord, that you give us, that you love us enough to confront us. Lord, it's my prayer today that your people would have enough. I believe it's the call from heaven today. I believe it's the call, not just at Mag Church, but all over the world, that his people would rise up and stand together and would have enough. Lord, have your way. Lord, raise up men and women of God who will plant their feet and set their face like a flint. And boldly declare the way of the Lord. And Lord, let me be like Hannah. That when I've heard from you. That from that moment on. I know where I stand. And know that the promises of God are true. Lord, remind me every day that your promises are as powerful as your presence. Lord, move in this place. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Church at 1158 this morning, the, the question would be, and it's all, I'm not one to sell an altar call, never have been. And I don't, I, I've never, I, that's just not who I am. But if you this morning, you know you've heard the truth and it's touched your life and, and, you, and it sparks something in you and you know that it's true. This morning, if you're here this morning, you've had enough. You've had enough to say, I'm sick of it, God, and I want, I want it to change. That, that you realize that your expectation is what brings miracles. And you realize that having enough is the catalyst for change. If that's you this morning, would you step out and let's join together in unity across this place and go to the Lord one more time. If that's you this morning across this place.